Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to the FT's U.S. Election Countdown podcast. I'm Kara Scannell in New York, and I'm joined on the line by Courtney Weaver and Sean Donnan in D.C. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Sean. How are you guys? Hi. Hi, Kara. Hi. Thanks for having us. So this week was pretty dramatic here in the U.S. The country was rocked by a mass shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando on the weekend, and the attacker had pledged allegiance to ISIS shortly before committing the crime. Terror has become the central point of U.S. election this week. And Courtney, maybe you could catch us up about how both Clinton and the Trump camps responded to the shooting. And maybe you can also dive into then Obama's speech on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been really interesting to watch how all three actors, Clinton, Obama, and Trump, have all reacted. So starting with Trump uh, on Sunday, right after the attack, uh, Trump said a tweet along the lines of, I appreciate your congrats uh, on being right about Islamic terrorism in the U.S., um, which, you know, some people thought was not the right tone immediately after uh, close to 50 people had just died in this attack. And then following that, he made some comments uh, on a Monday news morning show suggesting that Obama somehow sympathized with the terrorist or wasn't on the side of Americans and American safety. And so on Monday, basically, you had a speech both by Trump and by Clinton. So Clinton in her speech, uh, you know, was saying this is not the time for politics and took this very somber tone. And on speeches on Tuesday and Wednesday, she's really called Trump out uh, and basically saying, you know, she's been making this point even before the attacks happened, but that he is not prepared to be commander in chief. He doesn't have the temperament to be president. And, and Trump, he was back on Wednesday calling her Crooked Hillary, uh, which is his favorite nickname for her, uh, you know, making more attacks on Obama. So you really have these these portraits of these very two different candidates who have completely different styles. Um, and it's being reflected in how people see the two candidates. You know, they're not both Clinton and Trump, as we know, have very high disapproval ratings. Um, but we've really seen this divergence in the polls this week and how people look at Trump. Um, and this is reflected in by people in his own party who now seem to have serious doubts about him. Well, that was one of the things in Obama's speech. He he kind of put it on national television to the Republican Party saying, is this really how you think, especially when Trump kind of doubles down on his, uh, you know, call to ban or temporary ban on allowing Muslims into the country? Uh, and we saw House Speaker Paul Ryan, you know, kind of come out and show a division there and show that that's not what he believes the Republican Party stands for. Right, exactly. And and Sean actually has been looking at some of the poll numbers, um, which I think tells tells a lot about how people in the U.S., uh, you know, view some of the remarks that Trump is making. Yeah, and that's a really interesting thing that we saw uh, after this, this event in terms of polling and in terms of the politics. Uh, both of them were very clearly speaking uh, to 
to, to their bases uh, after the the event. Uh, Hillary Clinton talking about the need for stricter gun laws, which is a very popular subject uh, with Democrats, and Donald Trump talking about uh, the need for a crackdown on, on, on terrorists, a hard response to the, on ISIS, also uh, this ban uh, on Muslims that he's been uh, pushing uh, through the Republican primaries. The, the problem is uh, for Donald Trump is that he's speaking to what the polls show to be a narrower and narrower constituency, while Hillary Clinton is managing to broaden out uh, uh, the, the the voters that, that that she appeals to. And that's what we started seeing uh, really in the polls here. And that's the big fear of uh, the Republican leadership and the Republican mainstream uh, about Donald Trump is that can he pivot, as they say, and talk to a general election audience, or is he stuck uh, with that core support that he's had through the primaries? Courtney, can you break down for us what we've learned from the polls that came out this week? Yeah, so basically there are three very interesting polls, and they basically all say the same thing, which is that uh, Donald Trump appears to be losing support among the electorate. So one poll is from the Washington Post and ABC News. Uh, according to that poll, 70% of Americans now have negative views of Trump, which is his highest disapproval rating since he began his presidential campaign. And then the separate poll is from uh, Bloomberg News, which found that Clinton now has a 12-point lead against Trump nationally, and that's much higher than what we were seeing um, you know, a few weeks ago. And then another poll is from uh, CBS, and that found that uh, just 31% of those surveys of the U.S., um, that the U.S. should ban Muslims, as Mr. Trump, from entering the country, as Trump is suggesting. So basically, I mean, I think what's really interesting to point out is if you look back to the Paris attacks in November, you know, people thought that this would be a moment where Trump, who was then the Republican frontrunner, would lose the support that people would think, oh, we don't want someone like Trump to be leading our country at a time of a terrorist attack. And what we saw was the, the opposite, right, that his, his poll numbers actually jumped after the Paris attack. Uh, and then after this attack, you're actually seeing the opposite, which I think is really interesting. So, you know, you could say it's something about the specific nature of the attack, you know, the fact that this wasn't an outside plot, um, that this was an American citizen, uh, and that there seemed to be some other issues involved. But I think in general, you're, you're seeing a cooling towards Trump, uh, both in the Republican Party uh, and among the electorate more broadly. What the shooting also brought very much to the attention was that it's the third time in recent months that we've seen, you know, someone who's American become self-radicalized by propaganda from ISIS and other terrorist groups. And the investigation into this shooter is still in the early stages, but it really has revived a question about why someone who was once on the FBI's terrorist watch list was able to purchase, you know, a semi-automatic weapon and handguns and then use them just a few days later. So I'm curious, what are we learning about Americans' views towards gun control in wake of this tragedy? So one of the really interesting things we see, uh, and we've seen this through recent history in, in, in the U.S., is after you have a mass shooting like this, you have a real surge uh, in support for, for, for stricter gun laws. But And then it tends to, to kind of peter out. And then as the NRA, the National Rifle Association, and other members of the gun lobby get to work uh, and block things politically, uh, these things tend, tend to go nowhere fast. And the question after a mass shooting like this is always, is there going to be something different? 
different this time around. But what we are seeing is over time, uh, Americans are getting more and more fed up and the polls show that they are increasingly in favor of, of, of stricter gun laws. So you now have something like 55% uh, of, of Americans who favor stricter gun laws uh, in the US. A huge support for stricter background checks, something like 90% uh, of Americans and 92% of Republicans, according to the CBS poll that we had out uh, on Tuesday, on, on Wednesday, uh, support uh, stricter ba background checks, even 82% of gun owners favoring uh, stricter background checks. But one of the big uh, litmus test uh, uh, questions is whether you favor a, a ban on assault weapons. Now, Bill Clinton in 1994 uh, introduced a ban on assault weapons like the one that was used in the Orlando nightclub shooting, but that expired in 2004. Uh, and since then, Democrats have pushed to, 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 to reinstate that, but have always been blocked uh, either in Congress or by Republican presidents. Well, after the, after the shooting, the CBS poll that, that, that came out this week showed 57% of Americans now support a nationwide ban on assault, on, on assault weapons. Still a big partisan divide there. Republicans, only 45% support a ban, whereas 78% of Democrats uh, support a ban. But really, we're, we're moving in, the, in, 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 in that general direction. We're also seeing uh, just a few months ago, President Obama had proposed banning gun sales to people who were on this terrorist watch list that you mentioned, and that was voted down and was blocked in Congress. Well, now it looks like that may have an, a, a chance of, of, of passing, and Republicans are pretty embarrassed about that vote right now. And we're starting to see people like Donald Trump even say, well, maybe we should uh, ban people on terrorist watch lists from, uh, from buying guns. So once again, we've got this rekindled debate. It's going to take some time to see really how this plays out, whether anything really concrete happens uh, here. But, but what's interesting also in the context of the presidential election is all of a sudden gun control is front and center. And also Hillary Clinton is not afraid to talk about this uh, in public and to push a, a, a pretty strong gun control line, which is something that previous uh, Democratic candidates haven't been willing to do. So it's, it's in the, the, the conversation here, and it's something that we should be watching through November. And how does Hillary Clinton's position on gun control, how, how far from what Republicans may be willing to accept is she? Is there, is there an element of it that could get both sides to, is there something that both sides could agree on? No, I, I, I think the real, the, the real thing that, that people can agree on in the short term, and we may see some action on uh, before the end of the year, is this question of the terrorist watch list. I mean, Hillary Clinton makes the point that you can't get onto a plane now uh, with a bottle of shampoo. Uh, we won't let terror, people on terrorist watch lists gets on, get, get onto a plane, uh, but uh, you can go into, they can go into their local gun store and and they can buy an assault rifle, and that seems slightly nuts. Uh, the so I think we, we may see something around that, and there is some sign. Donald Trump has said he wants to meet with the NRA to discuss this. The NRA said it's willing to discuss this. There have been some signs in the past that they're willing to to to, to bend a little bit on this. Uh, so we may see some movement there, but. I think there is an appetite in the U.S., as there often is after these shootings, to go further than that. And that's really something that we're that that will only become possible after the election. I mean, it's been very striking how we've seen not just terrorist related shootings, but just mass shootings of any kind. There being this 
conversation and then things seem to peter away or Congress hits gridlock and we don't see much in terms of momentum. Uh, is there any uh, legislation now that it could be amended onto and possibly have a chance of getting through? So as as we speak, Senator Chris Murphy, who's from Connecticut, which was where the the Newtown uh, this horrible attack on a on, on a school happened a, a few years ago, uh, is uh, on the floor of the Senate and is trying to filibuster uh, and uh, until uh, amendments. Uh, get attached uh, to existing bills. Uh, and that's something the Democrats are going to be doing over and over again. In in the House uh, on Monday, after uh, Paul Ryan, the speaker, called him uh, for a, mom- uh, a moment of silence uh, in honor of the victims on Orlando, as soon as the silence broke, the, the immediate reaction for Democrats was to scream out or to yell out, we want the bill. Where's the bill? You know, where's the action uh, here? And we should expect a lot more of that. In terms of specific legislation, look, gun control legislation has been floating around, proposed gun control legislation has been floating around in Congress uh, for years, uh, and they can very quickly uh, revive some of that and, 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 and push it through. It's not because bills have not been written. Right. I mean, I think another thing that's important to note is just how important this is to President Obama. I mean, this is such a sticking point for his presidency. Um, and you can, I mean, you could tell when he was speaking this week, especially in his speech on Tuesday, you know, just the, the pure frustration and anger that, you know, this was something we heard him speak about it last year, you know, when he was speaking about the Sandy Hook shooting when, you know, all these elementary school kids were killed. And um, I mean, it's clearly an issue that he feels very emotionally about, very passionately about, um, and is incredibly frustrated that he can't enact any change. You know, and I was at the White House on Monday, you know, watching him in the Oval Office and you can see it on his face, you know, and his speech on Tuesday was, I would think definitely, you know, he has this reputation for being no drama Obama and, you know, very kind of cool and calm. But this is one of the issues where you really can see him get emotional about it. Um, So I think if, you know, if he has anything to do with it, you know, he wants to see this enacted in his during his presidency, he wants this to be part of his legacy. Well, at least with three different leaders, both Obama and then the two candidates, saying that something should change, I guess we'll have to wait and see if anything does. I think we're going to have to wrap it up. That's it for us this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us all on Twitter. Courtney's handle is at Courtney underscore FT. Sean can be followed at at S. Donnan. And I'm at Kara Scannell. You can also sign up for our daily campaign trail newsletter, White House Countdown at FT.com forward slash NBE. That stands for News by Email. Again, ft.com forward slash NBE. And be sure to download FT Politics wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, and ACAST. This podcast was produced and edited by Amy Keene. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.